1: You're watching Leafs Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosehill. The show starts now.
2: Wait a minute. I didn't know Groundhog Day fell in early November. It's the Friday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and Jay Rose. How are we feeling today, Rosie? Presented by Botano, of course. Don't start with me, Nick. I'm not. But no, you, you don't start with me, Rosie, because this is the same old story. This is the way I titled this show because I think we've done like a year of programs together and it's the same shit. And dude, I'm tired of it. I am tired of it. Dude.
0: Uh, like, <laughs> for how. <laughs> Just positively how many like nice plays and scoring chances did they have? They were dominating that best in the business Bruins team, you know, through most of the second period, most of the third period, it could have been six bloody two for the majority of, of that game, the way they were popping plays, they couldn't bury the chances, but Swayman played phenomenally lost in a shootout. Okay. I can get over all that stuff. What I can't get over, is what I see from a, a team toughness standpoint once
2: again. So let's break it down in order here. We're going to start with the Marshawn trip on Lilligren. Hopefully, producer Aaron can put it up on the screen. You can break it down. What you saw, I know the post-game reaction, guys didn't know what happened and stuff like that. But what did you see on this, first and foremost?
0: Initially, I first saw people say it's a slew foot, slew foot. I look at him like, it's not a slew foot. It doesn't kick up. And Lilligram is the one that goes in to engage with him. But then the second, third time I watch it, I go... It's a, he can openers. I mean, you go in together and and you, you just, like, he comes from the outside inward through his legs and then reefs his can opener. You know, you can do that at certain times of the game when you're battling in the corner, when you're both the most dangerous playing hockey is a demon and a forward flying in for a loose puck, engaging each other. That's where you don't shove them on the hips. That's where you don't slew foot. Him. I mean, you sure as hell don't can opener. Him. And like, why do you, of course he's going to miss time his left leg goes into the boards, his the edge of his skate digs into the plastic. And then how many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of force come in with those two guys into that planted edge where your edge is stuck into the plastic of the board. And he snaps his fucking leg. Like, of course he's out. It's a filthy dirty play. No, it's not a slew foot, but look who's doing it. It's always Marshawn looking around going, he's just always straddling the line. Does he's so good or bad at doing that dirty, dirty stuff where it's just borderline so greasy enough to seriously hurt a guy, but maybe just enough where he hides it from the refs. And he looks around going, what, me? Oh, what, me? And it's just so typical. Look at the guy and look what he does. And now another guy's got his legs snapped. Who the hell knows how bad it is? And it's because of his actions. There's no
2: hiding from it. And they're saying significant time here for Timothy Lilligren. Congratulations. He injured a guy. And you're so right. The thing that bothered me the most is that Wes McCauley, the official is like six feet away right. and the hand doesn't go up and there's no power play. There's no nothing. There's no meeting of the mind. It's like, we just roll on with the hockey. I'm like, did everybody in the building miss that? Apparently
0: the Maple Leafs sure seem to have missed it, man. I can't stand that, that video of not only does he do, do that, he should be getting mauled by a team and he should be getting accosted by the entire Maple Leafs roster. Instead, He's going by their bench, doing a bit of this. Okay, Revo's doing his thing. He's not going to do anything against Marshawn. That's not his real job. He's going to fight the tough guys. He, look at them all. Look at, fucking, looking at, look at their captain, looking at his feet, looking at his feet. He's chirping off. They should be all standing on their feet, kicking the boards, looking at Keith, going, who's next, who's next, who's next, who's line, who's up, look, wanting to bite that guy's head off. They're all sitting there. Like there's a freaking delay of game or the sh- kids are shoveling the ice or something. And they're, they're up five goals. They should be chomping at the bit to kill that guy because of what he just did to your teammate. You are a team. You you ever seen a, a team win a Stanley cup together, how tight they are that that bond and brotherhood that they have. You ever seen a guy meet up with a guy he won a championship with five years later, dude, they, they hug each other. They have this, this bond that, that you have when you're part of a team that cares about each other. Does this team give a shit about each other? They do not show that they do. They don't show that they care. They are a whole group of individuals who are good at hockey. That's great. Together, they're garbage. They've losing the playoffs every single year. They always do. We wonder, why is it happening? And well, let's just do the same thing this year and see if anything changes until they start playing for each other and giving a shit about the jersey that they're wearing that goes back to World War one something that means a lot to a lot of people, apparently not a lot to the guys that are wearing it right now, because that's sickening watching a guy snap his leg in half. And then the guy, the perpetrator, the dirtiest rat in the league that everyone hates to play against, come over and do whatever he said, whatever he's saying to the bench. And everyone just looks at their goddamn skates. It starts with the leadership. It starts with Tavares. It starts with the big boys. You've been around long enough, John to not handle that bullshit. The way you did step up and do something, man. Where's Domi. Where's
2: Bertuzzi. Those are the guys that can go after Marshawn. I hate seeing that with a team I care about. It's embarrassing. The best part about it is that most of the players after the game said, "Oh, I didn't see it." But last time I checked, after every shift, these guys are on 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 the on the tablet. So uh, maybe yeah. they're 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 watching their own stuff, their own material. Yeah, they're not it. getting that feed. But I think it's unacceptable. On top of that, I don't know if you caught it. Uh, I want to get your opinion. If you're a player on that Leafs team and you see the tummy sticks, Tyler Bertuzzi is playing your new acquisition. This guy's be is supposed to be snot, piss, and vinegar, and he's just chuckling away as Marshaun rolls by because he played with him four or five months ago what'd you make of that whole thing
0: yeah I mean uh, I think the it's the same scenario I just went off about in the bench like I think Tyler Bertuzzi's laughing like what an idiot he's doing his thing again Marshawn he's seen it a million times he's on the other side of it like it's not like the smile was like ha, I like what he did it's not that it's not that bad but what it is is chuckling at what what he's seen before what he understands but my thing is like Tyler you used to be this way. You played this way with Brad Marchand. You played a certain way Went that B on your chest. Where, where is that guy? Why aren't you getting in guys' grills? Why aren't you mucking it up? Why aren't you playing the Marchand role? I can't stand Brad Marchand, but I would love to have him on my team. And he's very effective. He's a phenomenal hockey player. He doesn't have to do all that extracurricular stuff, but he does because he just chooses to. And he's got Stanley Cup rings coming out his ass. Why aren't these other guys taking a page out of that book? Tyler Bertuzzi, you know exactly what he does. You mentioned it before the game. You're laughing and rolling your eyes at him as he's doing it live. Why aren't you doing your thing that's effective? Why aren't you being a rat? Why aren't you being greasy? Why aren't you grabbing guys and getting in the air? Why are you pissing off their team and drawing penalties? You're just kind of there. You know it works. You know it's effective. Why aren't you doing your thing? Max Domi. Ryan Reeves can't go out and fucking jump Marshawn. He'll be suspended. You'll be on a five-minute penalty kill. Domi, you can do it. He might fight you. You can go answer that bell and make him answer the bell. You can go stand up for Lilligren. You can go show that you don't put up with that shit. You can go be the hero. You can go make your mark as a Toronto Maple Leaf, which you haven't done yet. Why not? Like, do they just go into this vortex in the Maple Leafs locker room where they just turn into chicken shits? I don't know how to explain it. Don't you care you're in the biggest market with a phenomenal hockey team? Talent-wise, why don't you have it from your balls and your guts? What is going on in that locker room?
2: It really is disgraceful, honestly. And, I, you know, my theory is that the new guys, specifically Domi and Bertuzzi, like, are shadows of their old selves and really haven't found their footing. And I think this team, again, is struggling to find its identity. And I think players like that, like, once they start playing their game and play effectively, then the rest will follow. But I think this team is sort of caught in flux where, like, Early on in the season, they were doing their thing. They were getting involved, getting engaged a bit more. And now it's like these guys are really struggling. Like Tyler Bertuzzi got benched again last night. Dude, he took a fourth-line shift with Reeves and Holmberg. Like, what are we doing here? Like, he's in bunting territory again with Sheldon Keefe. But I understand it this time. I think you watch a guy like Bertuzzi play right now. He seems lost. Like, this guy's toe-dragging. Last time I checked, it's a pretty simple game. Put your ass in front of the net, the puck, shoot the puck. And, and give it to the big boys. Like it, it doesn't have to be this like big body job where it's like this out of the box approach. Like, I think it's pretty simplified in the way Domi and Bertuzzi specifically have to play, but they, they look lost right now, Rosie.
0: Yeah. And when the puck's not going your way and the bounces aren't going your way and you're fighting it and you're not finding the holes and you're not getting the bounces, you go back to the basics and do the things that anybody can do. You work your balls off. You finish every bloody check. You get in the face of a guy getting a scrap, Go grab one of the guys and fire the bench up. Do anything you can to get out of it because now you're still facilitating what needs to be done in a game even though the bounces aren't going your way. No one, everyone refuses to do that. And it's the it's the thing that's that doesn't take a ton of talent. It takes a little bit of guts and maybe that's too much to ask out of this group. I don't know. Half the guys that have... I'm talking about I know how to play that way. I've seen them play that way. Then they put this jersey on and just shut it down. And people are like, well, Sheldon Keefe, Sheldon Keefe might be him. Every coach is going to say, don't take penalties on Marshawn. Don't take penalties and put us on, uh, you know, on the on the penalty kill. Every coach says that. But when a, a biggest rat in the league goes and snaps the leg off of one of your fucking defensemen, there's no problem with any coach in the league when the whole five guys who are on the ice and see it go flying in there and start a melee and start a huge scrum or a scrap or whatever, chances are one of their guys is going to come flying in and, and help out and it's going to be an even up call. And even if it's not, what two-minute penalty do you want to do you want to kill? Some bullshit little hooking call or something where you drive his head through the freaking board, start a melee and start feeding him what he deserves, standing up for your teammate. Then afterwards, you kill that penalty because guys are willing to lay down a block of shot with anything they can get there get in front of the puck because they're killing a penalty for you because you just stood up for your teammate. And that goes through the whole goddamn locker room of stand up for each other. I'm there for you. You're there for me. You know, everyone's got your back right now. No one's got shit, but their own individual interest in order from what I've seen I've, I've bitten my tongue and held off and given the benefit of the doubt last night was the last straw. I'm losing it here because you're not going to win. You're done. It's the same old bullshit. You can't name a Stanley cup winning team that plays chicken
2: shit hockey. It's never happened. Does this feel like a guy is going to Palm Springs in like four hours? I don't think so. But Rosie, take a drink of water, my man. Uh, I think yeah, the worst sorry. part about it was the way they came out in the second period. I know they saw that video in the second period or in the in the intermission, but uh, they came out even worse to start the second period at the Leafs Nation four hundred one, where you could subscribe on YouTube. Again, at the Leafs Nation four hundred one, if you're watching right now and are not subscribed. Again, catch us wherever you find your podcast as well. Uh, just search Leafs Morning Take. We got Rear Admiral of uh, Spit and Chicklets coming up in about five uh, fifth or 10 minutes or so now. And it'll be unique to get his perspective on the Marshawn hit, of course, as a big time Bruins fan, but a look at the Leafs in general. And I actually respect the commentary for the most part outside of the announcers for the Bruins. Because again, we, we talked about this the last couple of days. You know what you're going to get from Boston. Rosie, we're going to get into this, but the fact that They're missing three of their six defensemen and still ho-hum. They find a way to get the job done. You know, I was watching the game last night. I don't know if you caught this. Vancouver won 10-1 against San Jose. So I looked up when the Leafs play San Jose. They play back-to-back in January. What are the chances they sweep San Jose? Just a quick answer here. (laughs) Not 100%. And that scares the shit out of me. And that tells you everything you need to know about your team. Anyways, brought to you by DoorDash. I got an ad read. It's time for the appetizer. For a limited time, our listeners, viewers can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the, do- download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's NATION25, uppercase for NATION25. Please note the offer is currently only valid in Canada. Subject to change and terms apply. So uh, different avenues we can take with this. I thought it was important. Uh, to get to the uh, the hit off the top there. But Ilya Samsonov, I think that's a positive note we can grab from this game. I tell you, Leafs Twitter, awfully, awfully quiet last night. The Joe Wall supporters, he's been great. But Ilya Samsonov, man, he, he was really, really good, specifically in the last five minutes of the game where it's like the Leafs are like, let's get this to OT. And uh, 38 saves last night for Samsonov.
0: I know, it was... Uh... It was solid. It was nice to see him get his bearings. There was plenty of opportunities where they could have buried one on him and just sniped all the momentum that they, that they garnered after outchancing them for a big portion in the middle of that game towards the end of it. Um, he stood in there a little bit tall, turned some things away. It was good to see him. He needed that. And to, to put him in there against Boston, um, you could call it a gamble, but also an opportunity to let him get his bearings again and get his confidence back. Um shootout again. You can have your issues with ending NHL hockey games with a shootout. Um, it is what it is. they didn't get the win, I think you know, the cherry on top of his performance would have been getting the W, obviously. Um, but it's good to see him finding it. You know, that's all a guy needs. You just need to, just like a guy with a monkey on his back, he can't score a goal, can't score a goal, he just needs something to go his way, and then all of a sudden the C's kind of seem to part for a guy and and away you go on your way. And I'm hoping that's what's happening with Sammy right now. It's the first piece in that in that taking those steps. And it seems like there's no reason he wouldn't have gained a bit of confidence from last night, which is good to
2: see. Man, did I miss something where this guy needs to talk to the media after every game? Like last time I checked, goalies never talk, regardless of a 40 save shutout or not. But this, they're they're rolling him out there and rolling him out there. I don't know if this is like bad taste from the arbitration hearing or something, but like every game. And again, he didn't say anything stupid last night, but like stuff is Lost in translation with Ilya Samsonov. It has been early on this season, but I, I can't remember a time a goalie talked this much in this market, man.
0: <laughs> Maybe he likes to. I don't know, especially a guy I don't that care doesn't care if he likes it. Very good English.
2: PR, he's not fucking talking, man, because how much stupid shit has he said already?
0: i don't know i don't know what he said i don't listen to the after after interviews it. very often but yeah the usually the guy will come in and write the names on the board of who needs to see the press after they they get their stretcher they're shaking them or whatever but <laughs> why they keep going to Ilya, i don't know maybe because he doesn't speak that good of english and he's only going to give half-assed answers i don't know i don't really care either but uh if yeah. he didn't want to he could probably say something
2: I guess so. Yeah, he he loves it. He loves the limelight. And again, he's facing the Heat and very Jack Campbell-like. But I thought he was really, really good last night. Some other great news, I guess, positive notes you can grab from the yeah. game. I don't want to be all negative. They did get a point in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like the Matthews line woke up a bit. They had a stretch there midway through the game where they were dominant. Unbelievable. I thought Swayman was really, really locked in. And that is one of the keys to this Boston team. They're very defensive, but the goaltending has been great. Lena Salmark, who we've had on this show, of course, and Jeremy Swayman last night. But Matthews gets one and one Marner scores. I I would take that as a positive.
0: I mean, aside from the Marshawn thing, man, I, I, they, they didn't come out to start. I get, but their response, like when I was able to flick the game on, it was like a shooting gallery. It was chance after chance. Like some of those, that one play that Swayman stopped, it was like a, it wasn't tic-tac-toe. It was like tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac-toe ridiculous. Like they're feeling it out there. The Mm -hmm. talent is oozing out of their ears. They, they have the potential to score a ton of goals. That's all awesome. No one's debating that, but you do you can't win on that alone. And you need to have that, that team element where you're out there as like an army coming into every game together, looking at each other, knowing that you're doing it together. And if it, it, they don't have that yet, and I don't know who's addressing that. If anyone, if anyone knows that, if I'm out to lunch on that, but that's not enough to get it done. We know that it's not enough yeah. to get it done, but you facilitate that type of talent and skill with a little bit of fu and some swagger and some, some team toughness and some, some pride and some dignity in what you're doing out there, some loyalty to each other. You can go places, but they're, they don't have that right now. And yes, it's great to see them moving it around. And yeah, Austin Matthews got two points. Woo-hoo, he's going to get those all the time but it's not going to translate to championships or deep runs in the playoffs until they figure out that team aspect of it. And it's nice because that's the thing that you can just decide to do. That's the thing that can come. You can't turn a player into Austin Matthews or William or You can't, yeah. that, that's not happening. They already have that stuff that's God given and talent and hard to find. What you got to do is the stuff that just takes a bit of balls. And that's, what's frustrating to me. And that's what I'd be preaching if I was Keith. And that's what I'd be worried about with this team moving forward, whether they're going to make a run or not, it's, it's that type of stuff that you, that you're not born with. You d- you have to decide to do.
2: Very fortunate. They have the players they have. We can say that. Cause I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like I think for a team that has no identity once again, right now, like they have a pretty decent record. Mind you, they're already seven points back of Boston. Like the Bruins are incredible. Everybody in the hockey world wrote this team off. I don't know if you recall the first show of the season. I said, Boston's going to do it again. They're going to win the Atlantic division. Here they are. I I mean, it really, really is impressive. Um, Again, the fact that Charlie McAvoy, their number one defenseman, didn't play last night. Forbert didn't play. Greslick didn't play. Luchich didn't even play. It wasn't like the Leafs could be afraid either of like retribution on Marshawn. Like Luchich wasn't even in the lineup. And uh, this stems from a question from John, by the way. The first one hit the chat today. And thanks for this. At at some point, can you ask Rosie if you think someone other than Revo had a duty to Lilligrin to jump Marshawn? That was absolutely embarrassing. Your thoughts?
0: Like, absolutely. You don't even have to jump him. You just get him in a position where you're just mucking in the corner. You, you put him in a position where he has no choice. You don't have to just flat out jump him and take a suspension. You just get in his face. And no, it's not Revo that does that. Everyone's saying now that, oh, he's useless because he didn't handle that. He can't go jump. I mean, Marshon's never gonna fight Revo. The only thing that's gonna happen if Revo goes out there is they're gonna take a penalty and Marshon's gonna draw one. There's there's other guys, Marshawn, like Domi, for example. I mean, he tried to do it in in the other game where the guy wouldn't oblige. I think uh, it was the LA game. Do that exact thing against Marshawn. Force his hand, get in a scrap. Domi's plenty tough. And answer the bell like that or get into, you know, a big scrum after the whistle where you end up forcing him to drop his gloves and you don't even take an instigator. Like a guy like Domi is who I'm thinking, who's kind of struggling, hasn't stood out, has a chance to be the guy that everyone's talking about in Toronto. And well, at least he's the only guy that's willing to do that. But he just didn't even take the opportunity. Like how much clearer of an opportunity do you need than that against the biggest rat in the league, a game that you guys are very much in. Puck's not Mm -hmm. quite going in the net. You managed to tie it up though in the second period. Go grab that prick and have all the boys be on their feet because someone stood up and did something. Instead, nobody did anything. Everyone sat on their ass on the bench, looked down at their skates when Marchand of all people is chirping back at them. Marchand should be the one looking at sheepish at his skates going, holy, I hope no one kills me for doing that. No, he's the one beaking off to a, a team that's looking at their boots. It just drives me, man.
2: Like where's the pride? The the best part about it is like it's not like Brad Marchand's an imposing figure like and I I guess like the problem is in the analytics community specifically it's like oh what are you doing I, I'm not saying go murder the guy like the problem for me Rosie was that there wasn't a player there wasn't a fly within five feet of this guy. Like, dude, go over and say, hey, dude, you're not fucking doing that again. Like, nothing. They let him skate right to the bench. Like, nothing happened. And I think the retort is like, oh, we didn't see it happen in real time. You got your tablets. You saw it after the intermission. Then they come out that way in the second period. It's like, I don't buy that shit anymore. Again, in this era of accessibility, and engagement, and media, like, y- you saw the play. You saw what happened. And the fact that nobody could step up, like, a lot of people bring it up in the chat a couple weeks ago. Remember the Gregor hit against Chicago? And Corey Perry pretty much said, we're going like that's leadership per- personified. Like there has yeah. to be a player on this roster said, you know what, Brad, I don't care if it was fair or not. It reminds me a lot of Nick Felino. Remember Nick Felino a couple of years ago, the hit on John Tavares in the playoffs by Corey Perry, weirdly enough, it wasn't a dirty hit, but Felino and I, I respected it. And I respect it to this day said, you know what? I don't give a shit if it was clean or not. Corey, we're going and, and they went and, and that was it. And I don't mind that at all, Rosie.
0: No, it's it's part of sticking out like it doesn't. It's like going to bat for your husband when you know he's wrong. You know, you mm-hmm. you, you stand by him no matter what, right or wrong, and. No one did anything. And it's just like when you play for a team and you you want to win so bad and you guys do the bag skates and the training camps and you're flying during late nights and you're bussing here and there and you're away from the family and you have your team dinners and you go to your parties and you go to battle together and your ice tubs together and you're doing this together. You're on a team. You're trying to do something together. You're supposed to build this bond of like, yeah, man, we're in this together. It's called a team. And these guys just don't seem to have much of it. They won't. I don't know. I can't read their minds, but they don't. They, what they show doesn't show any of that that they care about each other, that they're willing to go through a wall for each other, that they want to win more than anything. It's like they just don't have that piece that's like, oh, that's not okay because that's my teammate. You're going to tell me four guys on the ice didn't see that marshawn and Lilligran going back for the puck what are you looking at you're on you're in a shift in the nhl is everyone looking up at the fucking crowd what are you talking about you didn't see it of course you saw it the guy's leg was snapped and he's laying there grabbing it's brad marshawn going in there you even if you didn't see it holy smokes what happened there you fly in there and grab marshawn by the scruff of the neck and and yeah. give him a couple shots and everyone goes in then the the whistle goes and it's a bit of a melee then someone can grab marshawn and just start feeding him and then the bench is all fired up and everyone's like well yeah Do you know what it's like to be Boston and realize that Marshawn gets away with that, then kind of like trips off to the bench. Everyone's looking down, you're going, Oh my God, these guys are spineless. This is going to be easy. They they don't care. They have no pushback. They don't care. That's what you think when you're on the other team. And that's embarrassing. Uh, An organization like the Toronto Maple Leafs has anyone that acts like
2: that, let alone a whole goddamn roster. And I guarantee the Bruins players were actually getting on the lease for that. You're not going to do anything. You know the old chirp? I think of Vander Kane in the Heritage Classic, they they clipped him and he said, You're not going to do anything. I guarantee the Boston Bruins players were saying that. And the least probably just laughing because they know it's right.
0: I don't know what they think, man. Like, why doesn't John Tavares just he's not like some millennial kid who's never played that way. Know. He's, he he's our age. Why does he just yeah. go out there and just bury a guy and then spring load his gloves, wrestle him to the ice? <laughs> Holy holy toronto goes ballistic and everyone is like we've turned a leaf and everything why why can't you do that you know what that does john have you been on such loser teams your entire life that you don't even know what that is i don't buy that you're a leader you got to do something different you got to break the mold you got to show something you got to get out of your comfort zone you're the captain of the toronto maple Leafs. why don't you do anything different he's I don't care if you get a bunch of assists because Willie's hot. It's not really what I'm concerned about. We don't have a problem in that department. We have a problem in the pride department and taking your team seriously and leading them to what we want to be the promised land. And right now you're not even
2: close. We got to get those t-shirts done. Uh, Somebody fucking do something courtesy (laughs) Jay Rosehill because those are the best. That's your best quote on this show. Let's bring in today's guest. None other than uh, rear admiral from spit and Chicklets, R.A. Do you agree with that assessment? Like, what's your read on last night's game? Thank you so much for doing this and the whole Brad Marchand situation from last night.
4: Um, oh, thanks for having me first off. It's funny, I was listening to you. I, I honestly thought you were talking about the shocks, uh, when the goalie got hit and they kind of just stood around it and the, oh. the connection was like looking, checking on him more than the shocks were. But I mean, honestly, I know you guys are always going to play it up up there. It's Toronto, it's the least, but I mean. You know, they were down to nothing. I thought they showed some good heart. They come back, tied the game up, but lost in a shootout, which, you know, is, is basically a coin flip for, for a, a breakaway contest. So uh, as far as the Marshawn hit, yeah, he probably doesn't get the benefit of the doubt for many people on that on that play. And, you know, I you guys see me skate. I'm not one of an expert. I could say who could do what at a top speed. I, I mean, West McCauley was right there, and I'll defer to even maybe Biz. You know, Biz isn't afraid to stir the pot. He thought it was a hockey play. You know, the, I don't know if there's going to be supplementary discipline. There wasn't a penalty. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Marshawn at the bench, hes they're all yelling at him like they want to kill him. But then you got Bertuzzi sitting there, smiling, oh. laughing his head. I mean, I thought that was funny because, of course, I'm not a Leafs fan, but I don't know how the other Leafs might have taken that. You know, he's basically laughing on the bench, but maybe he was just know, knows mashans you know, how he is from playing with him. But I don't know. I think overall, I mean, you guys tied the game, being down 2 nothing in the top five. I mean, you lost the shootout. Uh, you know, it was a great game, it had that sort of playoff intensity we've been used to it with these teams the last few years. So I, I don't think the sky's falling up there. I mean, I, I don't know who was, like you said, on the ice, maybe Tavares grabbed him. I mean, guys who don't do that, I don't think they're going to start doing it now. And if they didn't see the play, maybe they don't want to risk getting an instigator in a close game because And if they weren't 100% sure what happened, if they weren't seeing it. I guess playing a little devil's advocate. Actually, sound like a Leafs fan right now. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> great game, man. And, you know, I, it was, like I said, good intensity, playoff atmosphere. And, you know, can't wait for the next one.
0: Hmm. All right. Uh you sound like you had some coffee this morning. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Hey, I gotta ask you. Yeah. I
4: gotta see that I fall asleep on these <laughs> on oh, doing these. This this is like my six o'clock in the morning for most people for me.
0: Oh shit. Hey, um, your team, like I look at the roster. They did that that run last year, and then they're doing it again this year, and it's like You look at the roster, it's not this Hall of Fame roster. Like what's going on over there to make them like this team winning atmosphere that they just rattle off wins? Is it a is it a culture? Is it a system? Is it coaching? What's going on in Boston that just makes them so dominant no matter who's in the lineup? I think that's the culture. I mean, Machan's you know really
4: listened up. I know he was you know he was kind of a smart ass kid when he started, and you know he's the captain of the team now. And I think that's because the the, the locker room, the culture that Chari installed, along with Bergeron, and that they're they're a pretty goddamn good team. And I'm probably guilty of overestimating. I should, maybe that's the wrong word, but you know they, they lost Krejci, they lost Bergeron, uh, but I think people forgot Pavel Zacha isn't a—he's not a—you know—he's not a, a can of squash or something that can't play hockey. He's a pretty good player. I think he's gotten better since he's been in Boston. Uh, Coyle probably better suited to the third line, but it wasn't like they were taking two scrubs or two guys off the waiver wire, putting them in there, and, and then you add to that—you know—the two goaltenders they have, two great goalies—you uh, know, uh, McAvoy, Ham, Hampus Leno, Pastore, of course. I think they were already a, a, a real good base there that they were able to lose guys of that caliber and still kind of keep marching on. Of course, we're all like, all right, let's, let's wait for the playoffs to get here. We saw this act last year. They beat everybody and it and it meant nothing come playoff time. But yeah, I think it's, it's the culture and, you know, Monty's only been there a couple of years and I'm sure he probably, it was more him adapting to maybe that room culture than, than maybe the team adapted to him. But uh, yeah, I would say the culture in, in place. And then, you know, the roster, um, I mean, look what Potcher doing right now. This is a kid second round pick. I don't think anybody thought he was going to stick with the team and, not only has he stuck with them, he, he looks like he belongs out there. I mean, he might hit that rookie wall at some point, but he hasn't yet. Uh, what's, what's his name? Mason uh, like Lowry? Lowrider? I got to hear his name. He's great. Uh, Lowrider. Yeah. yeah, he had a real good game. for. I mean, first game, he didn't look like a rookie out there. And now uh, Johnny Beecher as well. So, you know, we have beat up uh, Don Sweeney this time for his, his drafting. But, I mean, right now there's three rookies on this team, and, and certainly two of them have been contributing pretty well. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's It's good, but it's early, man. I just can't get too ahead of myself after what they did to us last year, for sure.
2: No, it's funny. I think we have the same conversation in these parts. Well, it sucks and it stings, and you know, sometimes they give efforts like they did against Los Angeles. You know, this Leafs team's going to be there. You know, Boston's going to be there, and ultimately, I think the season will be gauged on what they do in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the thing we keep going back to, ra on on last night's game, was just uh there's no fight back. There's no bounce back. Like I think you look at Boston specifically consistency like that's my read on that team there's never a drop-off no McAvoy no Forbert no Greslick you know Hall's gone like Krejci's gone Bergeron's gone and you know the same effort every night the goaltending is going to be strong I think that's you know they have an identity uh, is probably the word I'm looking for and from an outsider's perspective do you think the Leafs have an identity at all?
4: Um, I think to try to build one, obviously with the moves they made, you know, in the off season, bringing in Bertuzzi and Domi and Reeves, obviously trying to get tougher. I think those moves are probably more with the playoffs in mind than maybe the regular season. And as far as not responding, um, I I think. You know, you see that around the league a lot. I think it's just a different True. caliber player, specifically the young guys. They they just didn't grow up playing that way, and yeah, you'd like to see them come in because you know you want to stick up for your teammates. But uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pin that on Toronto as I would maybe you know just the style of player, young guys coming the league that just not the uh, I guess uh, hockey culture in that regard that that they grew up with. So uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you like to see guys getting faces and maybe some face washes when you when you got uh, players are getting screwed with or your goalie. But I think like that's probably uh, endemic of the whole league right now more than just Toronto. All
0: right, with the, the run you guys went on last year, the Bruins, a historic run that's basically never been seen before. You're off to a phenomenal start again this year. What do you attribute the, the misstep in the playoffs to? And how have they learned from that, do you think? Um, I think
4: that they were almost on cruise control the whole year. I, I think, um, as far as Monty, I, I think he kind of let the team run itself. Uh, and then, you know, they went out and got plays and actually it was, uh, Nick Foligno made this, uh, uh actually he answered a question was it all Cameron Strick podcast. And I thought it was an interesting point. He said it was almost like we brought in too many guys or made too many moves because then now Montgomery has all these, you know, pots he fails. Maybe he has to get in for this game and not that game. And I and I thought that kind of uh screwed him a bit. I, I think he made too many line lineup changes, uh, you know, taking guys out when they maybe didn't need to be taken out, but uh, most egregiously with the goaltenders. I mean that was the, the biggest thing for me, Jay. Uh, you had a goaltender who didn't stop more than four games in a row all season long. Now you're starting him six games in a row in the play playoffs and then we find out from weeksy that he's got a uh, quote a debilitating and painful injury i, I mean i was just fu- fu- fucking sorry my pardon my french fucking flabbergasted that he, I, after we saw all season and then all we heard was oh we got two number ones two number ones then then why the fuck did he use one of them after game two or game three i said it, i think in game two and people are like oh you're crazy it's like man uh, there's something off with him i'm telling you like when he did that sort of tilt the world trying to save and he was just off you could tell and I'd say the goaltenders were the biggest uh, biggest mistake, which is not putting Swayman in early. I think if they put him in Game Three, even Game Four, uh, the series probably doesn't even go six games. So I'd pin it on that. And yeah, maybe Monty, uh, maybe I don't know if he, I don't say overwhelmed, but I think that team kind of hummed on its own all, all year. You know what Bergeron in place, and uh, when when the shit hit the fan, I, I think he kind of panicked a little bit and you know uh, made some tough decisions. But number one, I gotta go with the goaltender.
2: It's sort of funny you bring up that conversation because it seems to be a league-wide condo, convo now where there's only select teams with a bona fide number one. Like the Leafs are going through it right now. Samsonov played last night 38 saves, but Joseph Wool, the phenom, has been a great story early on. That's my wonder, Ra. When it gets to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and hypothetically, let's say these two guys have a season last year that Allmark and Swayman had. How do you make that decision? Like I, I, I could only wonder, and maybe Rosie can speak to this after you, after you what it's like in a room dealing with uh, the ideology that you're not, you don't know who's starting for you at any given night.
4: I mean, I always think coaches just ride the hot hand. I mean, if a guy's a shutout, you automatically come back on the next game, unless it's, you know, a four, four games and six nights situation. But I think you just kind of ride the hot hand and one guy kind of looks shitty in a the game, then, then take him out. I mean, uh, the coach got to you know, coach to win. You can't be worrying about, Oh, this guy hasn't played or that guy hasn't played in so long. You got to ride the hot hand. And as far as, what teams are doing. Yeah. You look at the last two Stanley cups. Now Aiden Hill was terrific last year in the playoffs, but Mm -hmm. I don't think he had to steal any series. He sure he stole a game or two, but he didn't really have to steal a series. Like we've seen goalies do historically. And even before that, um, with, uh, Grubau with, um, yeah, Colorado. There, he didn't have to steal anything as well. I mean, he was he played well. He 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 did the job, but he didn't have to steal really any games of series. Of course, they had the offensive firepower. They could give up three or four goals, and and it wasn't an issue for them. So we are seeing a lot more of that. I don't know if that's going to be the future or if it's just a trending thing. But I don't think we're going to see too many more goalies getting signed to eight or ten million dollars when they're free agents, based on what we've seen the last couple of years here
0: yeah I feel like the mentality and that's got to be like you're a duo you know it doesn't have to be competition oh I want the crease no it's my crease no it's my crease these days you're going with with two goaltenders more often than not it's not like you got Patrick Waugh and who the hell knows you're going with two tenders who can play night in night out and it's not the competition thing it's we're a duo we're a tandem we're out here together we want to be the best one two goalies in the league and you you talk to each other, you you prepare together, you practice together, you work on your shit together. And then when you go out there, whoever's playing, you expect him to go out there and dominate. When you get the tap, nice job, tap him, nice game. Go in, you go out there and dominate. And you just switch, hit that thing. And it's gotta be that mentality of we are a pair, we are a package. You go out like that and like with a Swaim and all mark, like, look out, man. It doesn't matter who you play. Because they're both capable and they're both ready to rock. And that's like a luxury for for a coach to go to. And I think that's got to be the mentality when you're switch hitting goalies these days. Yeah. And you look at those two. I mean, they they probably have one of the best relationships
4: among goaltenders in the league. It's, yeah. you know, the hug stuff, the genuine, they mm-hmm. genuinely really like each other. Uh, you know, and even going back to the playoffs, it's like, you know, hockey players aren't wired to take themselves out of the game. And, you know, because you say, well, geez, no, if I'm not hurting that bad, why did he go out? It's like, well, because he's a hockey player. I mean, that's what the coach is for to say, hey, buddy, you're, you're too dinged up. You shouldn't be in there. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we have these two goalies. Um, you know, it's, I guess we're always going to have that sour taste from last year. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of like the regular season, it's fun, it's great. But as far as the Bruins fan aspect, you know, uh, it's like, I, you know, they're going to watch that last year away. Or it's just always going to have that sour taste, no matter what, especially with Bergeron retired after that. And, you know, he went to three Stanley Cup finals and he, you know, he, he won obviously in 2011. And, you know, I want him to get that second, not only because, yeah, we love the guy here, but, you know, he would have got to that upper echelon of, of you know, great Bruins of all time. Of course, he's up there, but, you know, you win two cups, you're up the, you know, up there with Orr, Espo, that Espo, the big bad Bruins. And I just felt terrible that they could, couldn't do that for Bergeron. And, you know, if they wouldn't this year, it would be great, but it almost feel like there's one little piece missing that Bergeron wasn't here, so... All right, that's my Bergeron time. I'll, I'll get over it. We're still sad about that, too.
2: <laughs> All right, it's a fucking Leafs show. We don't care about Bergeron. No, I'm hey, kidding. I've been nice um,
4: to you guys today. I'm not always.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, I appreciate <laughs> you uh, coming and <laughs> doing <laughs> this. Uh, hey, guys, just last time, week. Because, again, I, I respect the beast so much, man. I just, again, it's tough for me to say because I cover the Leafs and was a Leafs fan growing up. But, like, every night you just know what they're going to bring. So I ask you this. I mean, you've seen this team finally get there. They went through a storybook regular season last year. What do the Leafs need to do? Like, do you think they have it in them? What kind of ads do they have to make? Like, what do you think of this team in general?
4: You know what? I know they got over the first round hump last year, and we talked to, I feel we talked recently, and and I said they almost seemed too elated afterwards. I I know the fans are going to celebrate. That's understandable. But it it almost seemed like the team was maybe smiling too much or or too happy with with the result. You know, and you're still only a quarter away there. Um, I don't know if it's a, a psychological thing. You obviously have tremendous skill, but, I don't. I I think it's just a mental block right now. I mean, they they beat they won the first round last year, and then they then it was done. It was like as if it didn't happen. I don't know, man. I think they have the pieces in place. I think Samson Samsonov's a good goalie. Wall's been pushing them. I think you got a pretty good one-two punch in that there. I just think it's a, a mental hurdle going out and, and paying the price a little bit more. Uh, I mean, like last night, uh, you know, the Bruins smoked them at the dot. Uh, went, went 2 out of three faceoffs, and you know that's a matter of I think bearing down. I mean, you're going to get beat some of the time, but I think Austin went over eleven and. You know, that's a regular season game, but you don't want to see that in the playoffs. So I think that may factor in just, they just got to give a little bit more effort uh, or just have some more balls and, and and just leave it all out there. And I'm about to say they didn't last year, but I don't know. You see other teams just kind of like, whether it's sticking up for a teammate or, or hitting a guy, yeah. or Just I, I think they have a little bit more to give. And I don't know if that's the coach factor, or if it's going to come out having Revo and Burton and, and uh, do there this year. But I think there's more to be given by that team. And whether it's a coach or teammates who bring it out, we'll have to see in April.
2: Very well said. So we'll leave you with this. So bring it down memory lane back in Nashville, Music City for the, uh, the draft. Do you remember this picture whatsoever? Oh, I How remember everything we... down Nashville. Of course I do.
4: <laughs> you remember it? No, I do. That was uh, Tootsies, right? Or the place No, next that's to fucking Aldean's, bud. Oh, wait, no, that's, 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 that's the arena behind us. Aldean's on the other side of the street. You ain't yeah, yeah Aldean's okay, is on the
2: other side, Nick. Have yeah, another one. Maybe ride. I was banged up then. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. You remember
4: that picture then.
2: <laughs> Dude, I got like seven buttons undone too, eh?
4: He, uh, yeah, I mean, down in buddy, you know, all those bachelorette parties, strolling around, you better have just a couple of buttons undone down. There. Yes,
2: sir. <laughs> R.A., uh, we're looking forward to having you in town. All-Star Weekend in Toronto, February, buddy. Thank you so much for doing Absolutely. this, Absolutely.
4: Can't wait, boys. Take care. Have a
2: great weekend. See you then, you R.A. Too. Thanks, man. See you, boys. The absolute best. The R.A. from Spit and Chicklets. He's right. I mean, who am I to question which bar on Lower Broadway? Because I think he is correct. That was Tootsies. It wasn't Aldean's. Maybe just speaks to the state I was in that night, Rosie
0: could have been the stage or it could have been john Rich's. i mean i was yeah, just there. i hit so, every yeah. fucking
2: bar on the, on that strip i'm not kidding and anybody who was with me for for the draft this year could attest to that man just. it's a beautiful place
0: i like it much better than vegas i think Nashville's- well i could see why
2: shenner went there i agree with you by the way i think i think vegas is very very overrated uh, Nashville's just a great time all around uh meantime this game preview is brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor pool. It's now live. I was out after the first day, by the way. Head on over to daily where you can create a username and password and start playing immediately. It's a season-long NHL fantasy game that runs weekly, Monday to Saturday, where users will be able to make their selection each day in advance accordingly. Prizes will only be eligible to those users who are a resident in Canada, except the province of Quebec. Again, head on over to daily and for more details on how to play. And you can play against Frank Cervalli. You can play against me and all the great names here over at the nation network. As we get set for a Saturday night affair, Rosie, the first of five in a row, a five game homestand can only wonder how this is going to go for the Maple Leafs before they head out to Sweden, the Buffalo Sabres in town. So the second of a uh, five straight against, uh, of, uh, excuse me, the second of four straight against the divisional foes, the first of five at home here. What do you make of this?
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know you're playing a 500 team, a team that always gets fired up to come to Toronto. Um, they're close proximity to you. You could call them rivals in certain ways, but uh, you got to go out there and you got to get a win. Uh, I imagine wool is going to be starting. Hard to say. What do you who who is it for you, Bud? I wouldn't hate going back to Sammy. I really wouldn't. Um, you are you going to switch hit him or do you have a number one? Like, what's the mentality here? I want to talk to the guys, see where they're at. Um, it's interesting. I wouldn't mind either. I don't think it matters. Both yeah. of them want a win. Both of them want to get their, their feet under them. I think uh, the Sabres are on a two game win streak. We're on a three game losing streak. You want to rectify that. You want to put on a show in front of the fans, um, address what what's been going on with your losses and, and try to make a point of rectifying them from the drop of the puck and get that W get that win, start this home off the right way. See if you can get any noise out of that bloody barn.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I think the way I read it, so they got Tampa on Monday and since Ilya Samsonov just beat Tampa, I would give him Tampa. Um, I, I think Walls the guy I would go with on, on Saturday, believe it or not, against Buffalo. like I think he go back and forth. I think this is healthy. My only concern, and I brought this up with Stewie yesterday, it is Toronto. This question is going to be asked on a daily basis, especially after you win a game or lose a game. Like, Who are you going with next? And who are you going with next? So like, I sort of wonder in the long run, at some point, does Sheldon Keefe have to come out and say, hey, he's our bona fide guy? or do you continue to ride this tandem i would elect for the tandem i just wonder if it has to be handled a bit differently in this market
0: i don't think so um i mean again unless it, it, if someone comes out and and steals the show and is on fire you're just going to keep playing him and the other goaltender knows you're riding the hot hand stay ready and if that's happening you don't there's no need to to address the fact and say this is our number 1 there's no need to just sammy's yeah. hot as a pistol right now he's going to be playing again tonight Or Wolsey is giving us a chance to win every single night. He's really feeling it. And Sammy's waiting in the reeds when we give him the tap. So that's the way it is as a goaltender. They should be used to that. They've been playing goal their entire lives. You don't play every single night. And just wait in the weeds, ready for your chance, and be prepared so that when it is your turn, you hold that net for as long as possible. That's what the team wants. That's what the other goaltender should want. If you're thinking team first mentality, we want both of us to be out there. Hot as hell when you get your chance, get the win, be ready to go next night. Other than that, we're going to be switch hitting it, try to find the hot hand.
2: There's a couple of teams that do that really effectively, I find, where they they seem to know when to go back and forth. One of them's Vegas, of course. They're off to, an, dude, unbelievable. Like Seriously. there are no hangovers with that team. They're 10 0 1 in the first 11 games. I, I put this out on social yesterday. What's more surprising? What's the bigger shocker? Is it Vegas fresh off winning a cup and that whole celebration being 10 0 1? Or is it the Boston Bruins who are what eight zero one one or nine zero one one now? Like both unbelievable stories to me.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, Vegas—you'd expect them to maybe have a hangover, but they don't. And teams tend to do that, but they're a phenomenal team, so that's not a surprise. And then um, Boston—you know, do you know how pissed off they were after the first round? You know how shocking that was. So I gotta find.
2: I got to find different these different. takes from from training camp where everybody and I mean, everybody in the hockey world said they're dead to rights. They're finished, right? Wrote them off completely yeah. like
0: everyone did. And then you look at the standings, you know, six games in, you're like, oh, like everyone's just like, oh, the Leafs will win that division. It's like you don't think Boston's going to be absolutely frothing at the mouth to get the season going again after being that incredibly almost embarrassed, disappointed. They still have a phenomenal team, well-coached, sick system. It's not a surprise that they're up at the top again, and they're going to be probably the team to beat in that division. And, you know, like you said, where the the more the Leafs lose points here, they're going to be slipping behind and playing catch up.
2: Have you looked at the uh, Atlantic division standings? I know it's early. It's like a month in here, man, but it's a, it's a tough division. Like uh, Ottawa's in last and their records around 500 Montreal's off to a good start. Detroit's off to a great start. Toronto, pretty good. Florida's finding its wit. They're getting healthier. Like Tampa's, somehow found a way to stay relevant without Vasilevsky who's coming back in I think a couple weeks now like it really is scary and that's why you have to bank every point possible and that's why I think these matchups are so important including the one against Buffalo right the Sabres are up and down I believe they're five and five through ten they got Philadelphia so Toronto's gonna have them on the back-to-back tomorrow but I'm always excited when I can see Tage Thompson against Austin Matthews too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, how much talk do you want to put into the standings and, and everything else? I mean, that's up to you. You want to win as many yeah. games as possible. No question. It's a it's a measuring stick of where your team's at. But I think if we learned anything last year, it's that any team in the division can beat the other ones. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter who you face in the playoffs. The biggest thing is that are you trending towards your best hockey? And are are you a full, complete, well-rounded team going into the playoffs? Because those are the ones that are going to beat anybody. and you know, you're trying to plug those holes and fix those problems all throughout the season. And like I said, hopefully you're hitting your stride going into the playoffs. That's really the only thing that matters. And you've kind of been a big proponent of that saying the regular season doesn't matter. And I I think it doesn't matter points wise, standing wise, necessarily, especially in a division where everyone's good, you could kind of, you know, mix it up and, you know, anyone could kind of switch places a couple of spots up or down, but who's hot going to the playoffs who's figured it out at the right time and who's flying and you see the florida panthers for example did that perfectly last year
2: man they came out so horny they had three fights and three games your breakdowns on youtube are going tremendously and just we haven't seen a scrap since so i want to see somebody get horny again and, and try to drop the gloves at somebody on saturday night
0: sure just to, just doesn't even have to be a fight just just hit and bang and get mad and be cocky out there and and mother F the guy on the other side and chirp the bench and Bertizzi can be pissing guys off at the line changes, stealing their sticks, give them a shove, make them take a dumb penalty on you, get in their kitchen, just be cocky. They're just, everyone just has this dumb oh, look on their I face. And
2: it's like, good Lord, are you in this or not? Dude, I wrote an article for the dot that you should check out. Remember the, the snot piss and vinegar Leafs that they were talking about. The I said way. in an all too familiar state, I stared aimlessly at my 65 inch television on Thursday night, as Brad Marchand dangerously tripped and subsequently injured Timothy Lilligren. After being told all summer and all training camp that this Leafs team would be different, I was waiting for someone to do something as much as even skate within three feet of Boston's newly minted captain. I'm still waiting, Rosie.
0: Yeah, I like those I like those articles you put out there, man, and it's true. Thank uh, you. TheLeafNation.com. I'm frustrated tonight, if you can't tell, this morning I'm frustrated. It's, it's the the more I thought about it, the more I checked yeah. stuff out, I was... I, I I was I'm I'm very frustrated with the team I want a response and it sucks to me that it's the same damn thing we've been begging for for years and years and years uh you know ultimately out of this out of this core group zero bloody jam zero jam and then you bring in guys with jam and it's like is that infectious because now no one's got any goddamn jam like these guys are playing these guys were brought up to to lift this team up to do something that they've been lacking with the the physicality with the passion with the intensity and we bring in guys with that. And then they all go silent. Like, oh, geez, man, can do they ever stop and look at what's going on? Why haven't they won? Why am I here? What do they need? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. It just doesn't seem like anyone's done that yet.
2: And again, we have this conversation every year. We had it after the deadline last year. The onus is on the players. So there's a new GM, like they've tried everything. They're going to find the mole eventually. And and in my opinion, at least the mole is the fact that it's just not going to work with the core four. I'm sorry to say it. They, one of them has to go. They got a culture change. I don't know what the fuck you want to call it, but it seems to be something instilled because you're right. There's been a, a billion different players brought in to support these guys. And it's the same old story, but nevertheless, It's time to offer up this week's generous guy or gal. Generosity lives in the small things. Crown Royal, crown everything. You want to go first, Roley?
0: Yeah, I'll talk about a generous guy. A guy whose home I'm sitting in right now. Oh, fuck, I was going
2: to go with your boy Steve or Martin or Jim, whatever his name is.
0: Jim, you're talking (laughs) about Jesse? Yeah, this is his place. He lives right down. He lives downtown Calgary. Sometimes I got to do the Department of Discipline podcast with HockeyFights.com, the Nation Networks studios downtown Calgary I'm working downtown Calgary and when I need to rip this pod off and he's opens up his home to me his beautiful home with his beautiful family it's uh it's pretty awesome so generous guy definitely goes to my boy Jesse
2: I I honestly was gonna go with him uh your Double buddy up. for allowing you to record this show at his Calgary pad uh, I think at this point you might have to be start paying rent but Just to be different, I'll go with Brad True Living. I thought he was generous in free agency, giving John Klingberg 4.15 million bucks. How about that? Does that work for you? What a good guy. (laughs) Dude, the Klingberg thing's not working out for me, dude. I watched the game last night, and while this guy can run a power play, there's no doubt about that. Very offensive-minded, no doubt about that. Just the way he is muscled off pucks scares the shit out of me come playoff time. I'll just say that. When Connor Timmons comes back, Want to give him a look, but there's there's no question they got to bulk up, they got to add some bite, they got to add some jam on the back end. And now Lilligren's gonna be out for an extended period of time. They said significant time. So I don't know. William Legison, by the way, has been a pretty decent story for me. Nobody really talks about him. Hasn't been an issue one way or another. I'm fine with him, but somebody needs to step up on that blue line, and that'll be the curious case over the next couple of weeks. It doesn't sound like Timmins is close or anything like that, too, but somebody will need to step up with Lilligrand out of that lineup. Uh, The Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, I was all over the Leafs yesterday. I liked them in regulation. They almost fought back to get the job done for me. But again, ultimately, they lose uh, in the shootout to the Bees. There's a game tonight I like. I like the Philly-Buffalo over. And uh, I will just go with my gut and and my heart, I suppose, for Saturday against Buffalo. I think the Leafs find a way. Um, I think it's going to be another tough outing. But very seldom, knock on wood, does this Leafs team lose four in a row? They're winless in three now. So I think they beat Buffalo on Saturday.
0: I like it. Positivity. We're back on the train here. We've ranted. We've raved. We want to see better. Let's see it on Saturday.
2: Therapy session, baby. And shout out to your boy, Jesse. Again, he is without question our generous guy on today's show. Like I had a whole thing written up on this guy because like it's, I don't know, you got a family. You're living a dual life at this point.
0: I hope he's watching. I appreciate it. Isn't he walking the, the dogs or something? What's that?
2: Isn't he walking the dogs or something?
0: No, I did that last time. He's in Canmore. He's got a place in Canmore. He's with his family. So I just living two split lives. To, I'm, gonna,
2: I'm gonna eat him out of house and home before
0: I go and just be a real bad guest and uh probably leave the door open. So this guy has like,
2: wow, he's living the life. He's got two houses. Well, his wife's a wife's a doctor, so these things. Oh, excuse us. Anyways, Rosie, uh, excellent job this week. You're going in a bit of a sabbatical here. I think what you've earned with uh, your presentation today, phenomenal. Uh, spoke from the heart. You'll be back on Wednesday, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Sorry, my work and stuff lines up. It's been a good season uh, to start off the way the yep. days are lining up. I rarely can't be here, but the things are coming to a head here this week. I'm going to miss a couple. Reevaluate myself, get my bearings, take a deep breath, and come back ready to rock next week.
2: I like that. And and just like the Leafs, we we signed you to be a playoff performer. So come the springtime, you better be fucking ready with your hot takes. Because again, this is just like the... This is like the pre-act when you go to a concert. Like, nobody really gives a shit about this. Like, I want your takes when they lose inevitably in Game 7 or something like that, you know?
0: Easy. And Did, I, a, little, <laughs> did a little birdie tell me we're going to have a little Nation Network headquarters in downtown Tio? I might be hopping on a bird once in a while. Yep, Imagine that is
2: uh, the rumor. Can't give much more detail on that. we got a new sponsor coming aboard next week as well. So, uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. You guys are fantastic. Over 200 concurrent uh, viewers right now, which is great to see. At the Leafs Nation, 401 where you can subscribe on YouTube. Carter Hutton's going to be in the mix for Monday and Tuesday. So we'll talk next week, Rosie. Have fun in uh, Palm Springs, my man.
0: Appreciate it. Take care, everyone. Thanks to the chat and the fans of this show. Let's go. Thank you,
2: producer Aaron. And thank you, rear admiral. Take care, everybody.
1: Thank you for watching Leafs Morning Take. Hit the subscribe button to never miss a show. And for more, visit theleafsnation.com.